1: Welcome to the World in Sport, I'm Vinny Wiley. This week, cricket history in Papua New Guinea. We profile one of the Pacific's top Olympians and Fiji gears up for the Pacific Nations Cup. But first, a battle between the Tongan Prime Minister and one of his predecessors is again threatening to derail plans to host the 2019 Pacific Games. The Prime Minister's office released a statement saying a government authority, chaired by Akalesi Pohiva, had sacked Lord Savalier as CEO and chair of the local organising committee. But Lord Savalier and the Regional Pacific Games Council say Mr Pohiva doesn't have the right to make such a move, with the council previously warning the government not to interfere or the games could be removed. Lord Savalier told Koro Wakauta Mr Pohiva has been calling for his removal since December.
2: Let's keep changing the reasons from month to month. It's a pity that it got to that stage. I was appointed with the support of the previous government. I was appointed by the organizing committee, which is the appointing authority under the Act. And we've been uh, working according to the duties given to us by law.
0: Is this got down to personalities? It's become personal rather than for the good of the games?
2: The games are tongas, not any government or any organisation. All the constituent parties to making the games happen should all work together. And we have been doing that so well. It was only when the Prime Minister took over the chairmanship of the Audit and Authority Committee early this year that uh, things changed for the worse. And it is a pity. This is an opportunity for the to uh, get new facilities. The last facilities uh, that were built was when uh, we organized a committee of the 1989 games.
0: The government also says that their facilities committee has taken over the majority of your responsibilities.
2: That is. Situation and uh, it's a pity, but uh, there just seems to be no parity in the thinking uh, of that of the uh, Prime Minister's office and the Prime Minister. I mean, a few weeks ago, when this came out publicly again, the Minister for Sports expressed his support for me and the work we were doing.
0: The Pacific Games Council came out that the government shouldn't interfere, that Tonga could be in danger of losing its hosting rights. Is that still in danger, do you, you see, think?
2: it's like any organising committee of any games being it's a commonwealth be it's the olympic or the pacific games the organizer committee is free from political interference or political decisions they've got to take note of the situation but government come and go but the games have got to be put on the games have got to be properly prepared for and conducted basically the Act is grown up in such a way, and the contract between the government of Tonga, the uh, Tonga National Olympic Committee, and the Pacific Games Council, that it protects the integrity of the process. One of the main provisions of the Olympic Charter Constitution is that it's free from uh, political interference.
0: So how does Tonga move forward towards 2019?
2: All I can say, we've been working well with uh, the Prime Minister and the Minister for Sports up until the beginning of this year, and everything was going smoothly. Then he took over as Chairman of the Authority, and uh, things have uh, started wobbling then.
0: I wouldn't imagine, though, that the Prime Minister would step down from that committee. Is it kind of a stalemate?
2: As Prime Minister, uh, that we should take to allow us to regather these that we were operating
1: on. That's Lord Civella speaking with Koro Vakauta. Cricket history was made at the weekend with the first international 50-over match to be played in Papua New Guinea. The Barramundis beat Kenya by six wickets and 21 runs in two World Cricket League Championship matches at Mini Park in Port Moresby, which had undergone a major upgrade to meet ICC standard. The general manager of Cricket PNG, Greg Campbell, said it was a perfect few days on and off the field.
3: The boys played really well in the first game. Didn't they they um, bowled Kenya out for 190. I've been in Kenya been in a pretty good position and then uh, batted very, very well. I Bower again and uh, Barney Vargi got us off to a great start. But look, for me, the most pleasing part is today. Um, no doubt about that. You know, They were under pressure, Kenya batting well. I think if you've seen the storm, they lost uh, the way that Mois built it. I'm told at the end was the three professionals uh, they're growing into and and all the hard work paid off today that's what's what, what cricket's about you know the easy games are easy it's the ones when you're behind the eight ball and you've got a fight and they showed a lot of character today and look the ground uh, we had probably only had 2 or 3 thousand people but even Mick Martel the umpire and everyone like that said what an atmosphere it was they were singing the three and song and the, they were going off so that's what the whole scenario for me the pleasing part is that, to get the crowd involved with the and g community, and we had a VIP corporate area, which a uh, hundred people and all our sponsors. And they were over the moon just to show to see the showcase of the boys, and you know, it's a lot of hard work. And as you can tell by my voice, I'm very excited too. You know, for what they've it's a bit like me being a, a, a vacuum salesman and selling a, a vacuum for the last five years that we no one could see, no one could uh, touch, but now we have a product that everyone can everyone can look at it and, and do that so it's a magnificent effort I think by everyone
1: and obviously there were representatives from the ICC there uh, to see how things were going and obviously to administer uh, the match um, what's the sort of feedback you're getting from them?
3: Great feedback you know Steve Bernard, the match referee Nick Martel the international umpire and two of our locals and the people up from the ICC office it was a great uh, great atmosphere and they're very pleased what they saw I love that there's going to be a a feedback and a briefing coming back to me, which I'm happy about, where we can improve. But what they saw was uh, not not a real of improvement from their point of view to to bring this uh, this venue and get other sides to tour here. So it'll be it'll be a a great uh, a great time going forward for Cricket PNG. It was a showcase for us, and I'm pretty sure we we pulled that off. You like I said to you the other day, literally eight million people could probably watch that on telly the first time ever, and. I know some of our sponsors are getting people from way over the other side of the island in the dang saying uh, they're watching it on TV and having a barbecue and they're enjoying it so much. So that's what the whole event was
1: about for us. That's the general manager of Cricket PNG, Greg Campbell. The veteran Papua New Guinea swimmer Ryan Penny is in the form of his life just months out from the Olympic Games and says no one's more shocked than himself. The 34-year-old retired after the 2012 Olympics in London but returned to the pool to compete at last year's Pacific Games in Port Moresby where he won seven gold medals. He's since qualified for three events in Rio and says he's feeling as good as at any point in his career.
4: It's amazing to see how fast everything has gone. Where you know, It wasn't long ago that we're getting ready for the Pacific Games and um, here we are now, only a few weeks out from Rio. So uh, Everything's going really well, just looking forward to the next couple of months we've got OCI championships coming up so looking forward to having a good head out there and that'll sort of give me a good indication of where things are at.
1: And you have been quite busy with meets and, and various championships, uh, I mean how do you feel your form is?
4: swimming lifetime personal bests in um, quite a few events so that's a very good indication of where I'm at. 100 Butterfly is my main event and that one was just you know, a little slower than what I wanted to there so sort of working on that at the moment and you know the next couple of weeks will sort of give us a good idea of where we're at and and what last little changes I can do.
1: At your age, which in swimming terms is getting on, dare I say, um, does it surprise you that you can still you know, push those PB sort of times?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I hit the wall and, and look at the time and, and really shake my head in disbelief because the amount of training that I have done previously in my life before as a younger swimmer as compared to now is nothing in comparison. So I you know, just wonder what it is that leads to or contributes to all that. that I've got a very well-rounded life and I guess a wealth of experience that I've got that I know... What I can do, what I can't do, and and how all that works. So I think that that plays into a big part of my success at the moment.
1: Last year during the Pacific Games and leading up to it, you were based back in P and G, and and that was obviously a, a massive thing for yourself and for the country. Um, now you're back in Australia, um, but familiar surroundings, I guess, as well for you.
4: It was something I had to do to um, give myself not so much the facilities because we've got great facilities there, but it's the the uh, the coaching and the uh, the level of athletes that I against here pushes me along. So up in PNG at the moment, it's very difficult for me to train. I was pretty much myself and two other guys. So, um, yeah, it, it makes a big difference for me coming here. Uh, and I've got um, you know, good, a lot of people behind me helping me along my journey.
1: So you qualified for three events, the 100 fly being uh, your main one. Uh, are you still looking to compete in all of those, or have you made a decision on that yet?
4: Not completely yet. Um, we do have another swimmer who uh, equal the B qualifying time in the 100 freestyle. So I think if he was to be selected on that, I would give him that position in the 100 freestyle. So that gives us a stronger team than we have had before, you know, having two qualified swimmers. But to be 100 backstroke, I'll definitely do. That's you know, second half competition, and the 100 butterflies towards the end. So there's plenty of time in between for that stuff and and get ready
1: for it. And uh, off the back of the Pacific Games, and you know a lot of good performances there, not just in swimming, but other sports... Uh, now, how, how are you feeling about Team PNG?
4: Yeah, we've had um, more qualified athletes this time around, uh, which is a very good indication to see, you know, the level uh, slowly rising, which is pretty good. And, and definitely back off last year, you see a lot of athletes really starting to think a little bit more about their sports and putting effort into certain areas that they, you know, previously weren't. So it's uh, definitely a good indication. And I think one of the, Biggest uh, things that's going to see some progression is uh, the Commonwealth Games in 2018 because you've had a good couple of years of um, athletes pushing themselves even further, so it'll be good to see.
1: What would be a good finish for some of your top athletes?
4: You know, making those final rounds or making it through to the next round, I think, for for some of those sports. I think that'll be a very good step for them is to uh, progress through their rounds there. For me, I'd love to be able to make a semi-final again tonight I believe I can do it. It just uh, comes down to that that one day that you've um, you've got to put on everything. So it's going to be a very intense couple of weeks.
1: That's the Papua New Guinea swimmer, Ryan Penny. (laughs) Fiji coach John McKee's looking to balance youth and experience during this month's Pacific Nations Cup, which marks the first step towards qualifying for the 2019 Rugby World Cup. Starman Namani Nandolo is absent from the Flying Fijians 28-man squad, along with some key European-based players. While there are eight new caps, including Highlanders winger Patrick Osborne. John McKee says after a long break, he can't wait to get started again.
5: The first phase of qualification for Rugby World Cup 2019, so that's a major Focus for us, and, and also interesting with um, Georgia touring the, the Pacific to get a chance to play Georgia down here in Fiji.
1: So that's three Test matches. Are you going to mix and match for those games, or do you think you can pick a largely first-choice team for each of those Tests?
5: I've got 28 players in my squad. You know, I want to give everyone an opportunity, but you know, certainly those first two games, particularly, that we we want to get the strongest team out there that we can.
1: The obvious uh, man missing is Namani. Um, and he said, uh, you know, he's unavailable for uh, personal reasons this time. Uh, obviously, when you've got a player of that ability, uh, always a shame not to have them in the lineup.
5: It's a pity, Nemanja uh, won't be with us in June, but he'll be back with us in, in November, I, I would imagine. But as Namani said, and players are in a lot of pressure and and things, and it's a long season, so I respect his decision to on, on this occasion not to be with us. But you know, it doesn't count him out in the future. But you know, we, we've got some other. You know, very interesting, some very good players around the place as well. And, you know, it's a big bonus for us now that Patrick Osborne has come across and, and declared his availability. You know, the, he sort of had that carrot there for a while of um, perhaps representing um, New Zealand. But, you know, he, he's he's put his hand up for Fiji now. So that's a, you know, a great addition to our squad.
1: You've got people in the middle of seasons with, like, super rugby uh... You've obviously got people involved in finals and competitions over in Europe and, you know, with uh, Ben and the Sevens team at the moment, there's a number of guys that, you know, could play for both squads that uh, some you've named, some you haven't. Uh, Putting all those jigsaw pieces together can be a challenge.
5: It's certainly um, an interesting job being Fiji coach, that's for sure, with our players all around the world. And that's the world we live in and, and, you know, we, we hope that we've got some very good processes in place here that, you know, we've... Had a good look at our players and, and different competitions. You know, we've, we've got a fair idea of what their training loads have, have been, have um, you know, in recent weeks. And and you know, when when they come into camp, you know, we've got a mix and match. We've got we've got guys coming off a long season. You know, we've got guys coming out of Super Rugby. You know, we've got we've got some very good local players involved in there as well. So I think we've got a, a good mix with the the short preparation we have for this June series you know, the main factor for us is gelling the team, combinations, you know, implementing our game plan, so that's where a lot of focus will go into, and a lot of that work takes place off the training field as well, so they've got to be mentally um, focused as well as physically, so we do our homework off the field, so so the, the players are thoroughly aware of their you know, their role within the, the team game plans and, and their understanding of, of, our, of our game tactics.
1: How do you balance off mapping out that next four years? And as you say, you've got some young players and some locals and Fiji Warriors players <coughs> that you want to de- develop in under-20s, but uh, also being well aware that Samoa and Tonga, those games are World Cup on the line, good sort of stuff. You need to win them in a way.
5: The immediate eye is on our, our qualifications, you know, the, and then the long-term strategy is, is is to the World Cup and 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 beyond as well. I think now, you know, the unions we have got to think in <clears throat> in more than more than one cycle. And you know, I'm, I'm looking at younger players. I'm looking at maybe players that that can introduce that got the potential to play 2019 and 2023. I think that's important. But for me, you know, it's not out with the old and with the new. We, we know in some positions we've got some older players that, that in all likelihood will, will be too old for 2019. But I think it's important that as we introduce new players, we have a, have a good blend of, of senior players there. We've worked a lot on our, on our, on our team culture and, you know, to introduce players into the way we do things and into the culture is an important Players like Siramai Bay, who is, you know, at the end of his career, he he's now retired from professional rugby and. I think you know, for a player like Seremiah, you know, it's a fitting tribute to him as a person and a rugby player that you know he has one last opportunity to represent his country on his home soil. And someone like Seremiah, I know what a great mentor he can be for the younger players in the squad. So there's a lot of things we take into account when we look at the balance of the team.
1: You're obviously uh, staying on, John, uh, having been there for the last couple of years and, and, and through that World Cup period. Uh, Samoa have a new man in Alama Edemir and Tonga it's Totoe uh, Kefu. Are you expecting anything different from them?
5: We were not totally happy with our campaign because we, we didn't get the wins, but we made some good gains in 2015 in the way we're playing the game. And we're going to change a few things. We've changed some things up, as, as you always do, but, but we're, we're building on a, on a strong base. For Tonga and Samoa, you know, new coaches, I guess they want to make their stamp. They'll probably be introducing a few new players, so but maybe we can expect a bit of the same and some new things from those two teams. But we'll concentrate on, on getting our own house in order, getting our own game really really humming and then take on the challenges ahead.
1: And so, as you say, you had that initial 28-man squad and left the door ajar for some of those European guys to come back in if they're ready in time are. Is there any update there? Is, um, you know, when do you know if, if some of those... No, look,
5: look I, I made a decision not to um, select players whose teams were in the top 14 finals. I mean, I know under the regulations of the game, we could select those players and, and the clubs would have to release them. Better. But I think for a couple of reasons, that probably a good move for us to leave those players there. I think you know that it avoids the, the club versus country um, pressure, which um, you know can come through. But, but also I think for those players to play in the final series over there and the, you know the pressure of that intensive situation will will help them develop as rugby players as well, and that will benefit the flying Fijians in the future. Some of those teams are in knockout games, and if a team was knocked out and, and we had some Fijian players in that team, I'd certainly you know welcome them back to join the squad. I mean, you know maybe when I might get here in time to play Tonga, or the you know possibility for the Samoan game or, or the Georgian game.
1: And uh, so the Sevens guys that you do have in your squad, the Leone Nakarawas, the Savinatha Rewatha, um, Waysaya, Naitha Levu, um, are they with you the whole time, or how, how does that work?
5: They will um, join the, the Sevens squad probably after the Samoan game. I mean, it all depends on if we have any injuries in the squad. But if we, if we don't have any injuries in the, in the squad, I mean, they'll be free to join the Sevens squad straight after the Samoan match.
1: That's the Fiji rugby coach, John McKee. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Biddy Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening.